0: Welcome back, I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you can get them and keep them. Snack Wallace is powered by San Diego Code School, a social enterprise that's committed to developing tech equity through our groundbreaking apprenticeship program, backed by a profitable tech services company. Our business model is bringing diversity into development by putting early career software engineers on appropriate level projects, with our oversight, providing companies with quality software services at a significant cost savings. I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. Can you, in a few sentences, tell us who you are and what you do?
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Gil Cohen. I am an employee experience consultant here in uh, just north of Toronto, Canada. I help companies uh, design experiences intentionally in ways that improve the quality of life for the people as well as business outcomes. Awesome.
0: I'm all about the employee experience. I love it when I'm pampered and taken care of and I like taking care of my people. So that's big. Love to um, hear. So I'm hearing from some leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, finding diverse uh, talent can be a challenge depending on where you're coming from. Uh, So my personal experience is recruiting for two years uh, tech in, in the Toronto area. And so diversity also will end up meaning different things to different people. But one of the biggest things I saw when looking at competitors, when looking internally, is understanding what's happening inside. Because one of the problems that I've found historically over the last 15, 20 years is that diversity was a bit of a buzzword, and then people would cu- come on and not necessarily be included, not necessarily feel a sense of belonging. So it's one thing to bring a diverse uh cohort into your company, but you're not going to keep them, you're not going to engage them, and certainly you're not going to serve their lives by bringing them on and then sticking to your old uh, ways in terms of bias, in terms of structures, because these have been built into the companies. These have been built unintentionally, sometimes unfortunately intentionally, but unintentionally by a lot of companies. They don't understand the impact of what they are internally in trying to look for diverse talents. And the g- example of that, and I'll talk from my own experience was that I was hiring for a company that the, it presented on the website, there was a leadership team of five who were five white males. And this woman, this woman, this South Asian woman who I was doing a phone screen with asked me straight up, she said to me she's like so what do you think it's like how do you think i should feel about that like that doesn't seem right i'm like i I had no choice but to agree with her i understood that and it was a profound impact on me to recognize that you're keeping diverse talent out by how you look inside if a person comes in and doesn't feel like they would feel comfortable feel welcome, feel like they would be a token feel like they wouldn't be included in opportunities then that's not really changing your ways to hire diverse talents. And you need to think internally before you can really successfully hire and uh, treat diverse talent. Well, awesome.
0: Very, very important. Cause I know I look and I'm curious, but I, I see a lot of, that. I see a lot of the, you know, all white at the top. Um, and then even for a lot of women, it's very, very difficult for them to be. I saw an interesting stat yesterday. Uh, another woman was a. Uh, Places the head of a large uh, Fortune 500 company, and she's like woman number I want to say 28 or 38. Let's give 30, it 38. I Let's go higher. Right. 38. It's right. A record. So 38 is record. Insane to me. Insane. Yep. They're 50 yep. percent of the population. I say they. Women are 50 percent of the population, and 38.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I- Absolutely. And that was one of the other lessons I had when I was hiring in terms of looking for women, because most people find when trying to hire tech talent is that it is harder to find uh, women. And one of the things that I discovered is around the bias that can be held within a, uh, a job description that there was a study done a few years ago that certain words like aggressive or rock star or whatever, that if you put it into a job description women are less likely to apply for it and you're baking a certain bias into it and you're reducing a certain portion of the population just by the way you're writing these job descriptions so that's why i say a lot of work needs to be done internally thinking internally about how you build things how you treat people and how are your biases being built into the system because a lot of people try to hire based on culture fit, which means how much is this person like me, which then just bakes bias, it bakes bias into the system. So you have to really look internally at how do you treat people and why do you want to do this? Because like I said before, diversity is a, a, is a buzzword for many years. And so if you're doing it for the sake of, Oh, there's a business case for it or, Oh, it's what everybody's doing then, you're not really setting yourself up for success and you're not setting your team up to really respect people effectively. And you have to look internally and say, well, what is the? why do I want diversity? Why do I want to include people? Why do I want to treat them equitably? And from there, you'll make more effective decisions and you need to do it consciously. Absolutely. So
0: what I'm hearing from you, and I'll echo back, is it's not a dog and pony show. It's important that you actually have a true desire to have diversity inside and on your team. And then it sounds like that might create like a flywheel where more people will be attracted and you'd have better practices in terms of hiring and posting so that more of those people would end up on your doorstep, right? So I get it, I like it. So Mm -hmm. question for you, do you think an apprenticeship pattern would work for tech roles? I'm sure you've heard of apprenticeship like plumbers and electricians. And so what do you think about that in a tech setting?
1: In a tech setting, it's something that sounds like it works well for me, I mean, depending on the role, and I'm no expert on all all tech roles, but the idea of learning from somebody who's the old pro, who's the old master, who can then teach you and give you opportunities that you wouldn't have had just by being in a, you know, frontline, whatever it is, you know, kind of role, that will help a person grow. That will help a person grow because they'll learn things they're not going to learn in school and they're not going to learn by certification. I worked with a wide variety of people anywhere aged from 20 to 60 and some of the best people had no certification because they had just been there. They'd done that. They'd, They'd been through the experiences and some of them, depending on you find the right tech person, they can even convey it well to somebody else. They can find a way to express it that can bring a person much further along than some sort of certification, some sort of training that's teaching them very specific uh, learning around a product or a project, whereas an older person can help them uh, learn a way of thinking that can help them improve their career. Awesome. I like it.
0: Although I think you just called me an old person.
1: So <laughs> uh, I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold, hold on. First of all, if anything, I would be the old person in, in, in that case too. But uh, I don't, in, in, as well, I, I don't want to have any biases against older people because that's the thing is I'm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think exactly. the experience brings Exactly. Knowledge and understanding that you just don't have coming out at age 20 and there's no, and there's no fault to a person at age 20. Yeah. You don't have those years of experience of knowing how things are going to play out, how absolutely. a project works from beginning to end. And so that's what, that's what I'm trying to. Uh, to emphasize.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's a, a, sometimes undervalued quality associated with, you know, someone like myself that's been coding for 31 years, right? There's just, something intrinsically great about all that experience that it's built up. And I can help people just avoid a lot of the nonsense mistakes that I made you know, many, many years ago. So
1: I appreciate um, that. I'm, I'm a big believer in neuroplasticity is that our brains change over time. Yep. So 31 years of coding, well, you built these amazing pathways in your brain that go way faster than they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and 30 years ago for you. So if you're able to see these things more quickly and understand them, and then to be able to, to want to help somebody and convey that to somebody else, I love to hear it awesome i like it so
0: can you tell me who is somebody like yourself that you would like to acknowledge as a leader and should be invited uh to be on a podcast like this
1: uh well i wouldn't say they're like me because they're actually somebody i look up to and much more of a leader in this space than i uh, i would be so humble so humble no 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 Is uh dr tiffany jana Oh, yeah. uh, author of um one of the b corp handbooks and recently came out with uh, subtle acts of exclusion yes they are on the radar and now i'll like be out there on hunt so
0: excellent um where can I find out more information about your company? So this is a great time to do any kind of shameless plug that you might have.
1: <laughs> So the best place to find me and information about me is on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me Gil Cohen, G-I-L-C-O-H-E-N um, on LinkedIn. And you can find my profile there. I also have a website, uh, www.employeeexperience.ca that has a little bit more about my uh, services and what I do in the contact form and uh, get in touch with me there. Awesome. I'd like to ask you a question all right what drove your passion for apprenticeship what what drove your love for what you do
0: so i have been transitioning into this like my parents were school teachers when i grew up and i always knew i would never want to be a school teacher because i just saw how it just ran them ragged all year long so i was like i I would love to teach but i got to get paid so it was many years before i discovered hey i'm at the point now where i've made enough money um, as a software engineer, now I can actually teach something I love. So I kind of connected that last little bit of like the the genes that I have, the teacher genes. And then as I started getting into the bootcamp space, I started recognizing that it was very, uh, it wasn't very inclusive, right? It, it costs a lot of money to go to most boot camps. Um, a lot of people that could really take advantage of the opportunity to make a transition. Um, have a day job and they can't quit their job in order to like reskill for this new trade that they want to get into. So it just started making sense over the first um, year or so of us like me having my own code school. Uh, We just discovered this would solve all of the pain points for our students. And then it was an easy decision at that point because it was just like, well, this is going to make them way better. So let's just figure out all the other details. Right. And so it was a process to get through all of the other mechanics to make a, a sustainable business model. But in the end, we know we're doing great work and that's what like every day gets me up at 5am to just like, okay, let's jump on some calls. Let's make sure that like this can continue to grow. And we want to be sort of like the national model for how you do technical apprenticeships. So that's what, that's what drives me. It's just like, let's get everyone doing this in the whole country. It'd be awesome.
1: Has there been a moment along the way where you, you, it confirmed for you, yeah, this is the right path. I'm doing the right thing for me.
0: Oh yeah, even early on. So we we were approved by California to offer this apprenticeship program in March. And we've already hired people that had like no background in technology. And now every day they have a secure job, they are on a career path. And so it's already paying dividends in terms of, I get to see their smiling faces every morning and know that they're getting like one percent better, and that like they're getting paid to have a, a great skill set. So I think it's awesome.
1: Favorite coding language?
0: JavaScript. That's an easy one. <laughs> I'm the the president of the local San Diego JavaScript chapter. So uh, we get about five six thousand members, and I gave a talk last night at the meetup. So JavaScript's my favorite. Why does it get all the hate? Because it's it is a little juvenile in that it doesn't have like uh, strong types. So you can kind of be very loose and you don't have to define things ahead of time. And that scares some folks. Like there's no guardrails. So they just think everybody's going to go crazy. And some people do. But for the most part, uh, it's a pretty elegant language. Now, what I love about it that they also are haters is that it's. The only thing that works in the browser effectively, like you can do some other workarounds, the other stuff to work in the browser. So they just hate because they know that like they don't have choice and they have to work with this one thing. And so these they like to be unbound, I guess, as software engineers. That's why I think it gets it gets a lot of the hate. There are some little quirks, but every language has got quirks. So I don't think it's enough to like dislike it. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on. And I think this has been a wonderful uh, episode. And uh, again, I would just encourage folks to take this to heart. This is not a dog and pony. It's got to be legit. And at least that's what Gil says. So thank you again for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io.